sometimes we're reacting to something right now, but actually we're not. We're reacting to something of our past and we're putting it to the present. So I think one of the most important things really is to focus on what's happening right now. What's your problem right now? Not what was your problem last month, last year, two decades ago, but just start right now and start to peel those layers of the onion back and suddenly you're realizing how not present you really are. And that's the first step of transformation. You're listening to Muscle Medicine, where we debunk the myths in the health and wellness world to bring you the latest updates in exercise, rehab, and nutrition from industry leaders. Join your host, Dr. Emily Kyberg, chiropractor and movement expert, as she brings you simple, actionable tips to reach your fullest potential. Sue, I'm so excited to sit down with you for Muscle Medicine Podcast. You are the creator of the Melt Method, which is like every patient that comes into my office, there is a huge percentage of them that does your method. Really? It was like introduced, I had a patient introduce me to it, which I was like, wow, amazing. Yeah. So what prompted you to do this like deep dive research and develop the Melt Method? Well, I mean, it, it, I guess I would say it started from my own chronic pain. I was in fitness since I'm 16 teaching in fitness. And when I got into my late 20s, you know, by then I had a, I was a neuromuscular therapist. I had studied under Leon Chaitow and Judy Delaney and, you know, had all this arsenal of information about joint stability behind me. And when I got myself into chronic pain and none of those tools worked in 1998, the internet came out. And so the first word I typed in was fascia because I was told that at first I had plantar fasciitis. So I was like, I injured my fascia? That doesn't, what, what do you mean? And it sort of veered me out of the fitness industry. And I started to build upon this, just a background of working with athletes who had gotten injured and you know, dealing with an injury is like, you know, it's a notable thing, like when, you know, when you have an accident or something like that. And it was a way for me to develop homework for my clients, get them out of the office, get them back into active living a little bit faster. And the athletes, it worked great. And then in 2001, 9-11 happened. And suddenly my practice kind of shifted a little bit from being just working on injured athletes to suddenly working on people who have post-traumatic stress disorder, trauma. And what I realized is that trauma can actually cause more pain in the body than an accident. And fascia was still the vehicle of healing. And it, it really gave me a new perspective on the human form. Around that time that a client of mine who had these chronic TMJ, migraines, jaw pain, neck pain, I'd work on her, she'd get better, and she said these exact words to me, if you could just invent a way for me to do to myself what you do with your magic hands, I'd stay out of your office. Because I said, it's gotta be something in your environment. I developed this neck decompress technique and it worked. And she went from like seven days to 10 days to 15 days to 20 days without having any pain in her body. And that was when I really knew I had something. And then in 2004, I coined the term melt. I started teaching this in group environments because I thought, yeah, I think I could maybe keep people out of my office if I kind of could explain what I was trying to do to them. And I made this makeshift roller made of PVC piping. I wrapped it in bubble wrap. I wrapped it in a yoga blanket. I wrapped it in a yoga mat and I duct taped the thing together. So it had this like kind of squish to it. And I just started experimenting. And by 2006, I mean, it was like almost 
you know, eight years I had been kind of tinkering with this, you know, fascial research and everything else. And could I apply it? And I just knew I had something. And so I started to train other people and how to do it. In 2010, I was like, I'm going to write a book for the general public. And then I did that. And today we've got 2,000 instructors worldwide. I've got two books out and just trying to contribute and help people understand what causes pain to become chronic and how fascia is a resource to help your brain alter the pain sensations and decrease the sense of pain perception. Yeah. I think as a manual therapist, it's actually kind of boring to see the same thing over and over again in your office, right? <laughs> I know that's it. It's like, geez, I mean, you just want to get them the hell out of your office. You're like, I'm so sick and tired of looking at your ankle pain or whatever it is. Like, isn't there something else I can do? Totally. Yeah. So you notice that with trauma, there was a shift around 9-11. Like, what was the shift in, I mean, obviously there was a huge shift in the energy and the mood of the city, but like, what was it specifically that you were seeing? I was seeing a lot of people who had real physical pain caused by emotional distress. So, I mean, some people weren't even down at 9-11, right? They didn't even know anybody who died. Whereas, I mean, I lost friends and colleagues and, you know, brothers of my clients and sisters and aunts and uncles. And it was just watching people suddenly manifest physical pain. I mean, some people were frozen, like they literally, their back hurt them so bad they couldn't get out of bed. People who all of a sudden were having all these digestive problems, massive sleep issues, um, anxiety, depression that never had it before. And that it was like, a, you know, you could really put your finger on, well, if you understand physics and, you know, the quantum aspects of energy that we need to feel energetically separation to feel oneness and that we're all universally connected that, you know, any trauma that anybody goes through, actually, we can all learn from one another. We're all connected. And when that happened, the entire world, but most specifically New York City, I think we all froze for a minute. I mean, it was just so scary. And I think that that really affected people's frequencies, their, their energetic level. And fascia really is this communication highway. It is a, a tissue that connects through vibration, through frequency, through energy, through movement, both outside of our bodies and within us. And so when that frequency altered with 9-11, it was really a very universal freak fest, if you will. I mean, people were really traumatized overall in the city. So it was a real eye-opener for me that I had never really seen so many people get affected by a point in time that, that wasn't really, per, you know, I mean, you want to say it wasn't personally affected, but 9-11 personally affected people because it showed you evil and the, the insidiousness of terrorism and all these things. And I think it, because it was there, it really made me look a little deeper as to the connection between the nervous system and connective tissue. And, and that the fact is that as much as they're separate system, in fact, they're working together to do three things, support, protect, and stabilize us to keep us balanced. Uh, and when the trauma hits you, your nervous system is the neurons are going to alter and they're firing and wiring, and that's going to cause physical manifestations of sometimes pain or stiffness or again, a sense of being frozen. So that, that was what had happened. I just got chills listening to that. One of the things that I find really, really unique and interesting about the melt method is that it is this gentle approach. 
Like it is so gentle and it has such tremendous, it creates such tremendous change, but you're like, it almost feels like, wait, I should have dug in harder. And you know what I mean? Why is there a need for like this gentler approach versus like kind of like the hard charging, deeper, stronger, maybe soft tissue release? Well, I mean, they're both great approaches to the body, right? But I think it's the same thing as when you think about something like meditation, right? That just coming back to the breath and how important the breath is. And, you know, I think it's funny when I ask people, like, do you ever meditate? You know, like, do you ever just quiet down and come inward? And I mean, half the people are like, I don't even know what you're talking about, right? Like, you know, and, and it's like, you know, what, what exactly is meditation? I said, just try this exercise. Like, just try to get away from all the electronics, maybe go sit in grass and just start to focus on a six second inhalation and a six second exhalation and just try to keep your mind on your breath and watch what happens. And by the second or third breath, you're already thinking about 18,000 other things. You're thinking you got, you got an image in your head, right? So it's actually hard for the mind to quiet down. And so what Melt offers is this twofold connection is that we're trying to quiet the stress reflex in the nervous system. We're trying to bring the body to what's called a parasympathetic state, the rest and digest components of our healing process in a waking state. So that means we need to slow down, tune in, go into our body, sense what we feel, go into the subtle body, go into interoception, the way that our body is sensing ourselves and doing that first before trying to, I guess, change muscles, right? So fascia is a three-dimensional fluid-based architectural matrix under our skin. It's primarily made up of collagen and this interstitial fluids. And these gel-like substances, these fluids in fascia are moving. And the fluid flow from fascia drives from fascia to lymph. And the lymphatic system is part of our healing process. It's what it's what junk dumps waste out of our body. So with MELT, it's, it's actually looking at the bigger picture of the global dynamics of fascia and how it helps the free nerve endings in the body to send better messages to the brain. So if you melted and you created this gentle compression and you eased pressure in, and then you decided to do things like self-myofascial release, like more heavy compression, uh, trying to, you know, or muscle stretching, trying to get the Golgi tendons or the spindles to to activate, you're going to get more out of the heavy compression. But my whole philosophy is if you're in pain, why is it? that people right away try to hurt themselves to get out of pain. They actually cause pain to get out of pain. Like if if my neck's hurting me, what do I want to do? I want to get a lacrosse ball and jam it into my neck or try to hire somebody to jam their elbow into my neck and dig it out like I'm going to win an award for inflicting pain. But you know, if your brain is sending you a, a message that, hey, something's not right, why is it that we beat the victim up? Why is it that our first route of helping ourselves is to you know, annihilate the pain, to destroy the pain. You know, you always hear about that, abolish pain, eliminate pain, you know, erase pain. And I'm like, there is no such thing. <laughs> you can't you can't even know calmness and, and happiness, you know, unless you have pain and suffering, right? So there's always two sides to the coin. So Melt really offers an opportunity to reach anybody at any age, in any fitness level, at any health or, or, or level of fitness. You know, you can have a disorder or disease, or you could be an elite athlete who just like, you know, smash their knee against somebody's helmet or something. So so it it really offers a big dynamics of education and teaching people what touch can do, how touch and sensory, gentle sensory reception can actually alter the neurons and, and again, how 
the brain neurons fire together and then ultimately wire together to send new messages back and forth from body to brain. Yeah. And it is, I think along with that idea of like eliminating pain by causing pain, I think there's also kind of a, maybe a societal thought that self-care has to be like an hour at a time or like I have to go to the gym for an hour. I have to get my like 90 minute massage which are all great. Which are all great. But like, I think for longevity and sustainability, it's hard to maintain that. Whereas melt method can be 10 minutes, three times a week. That's it. Is that, you know, connect, I mean, to me, I melt every day. I melt every single day because it makes me feel good. I find that it, you know, and again, if you have pain, one of the things we always recommend is about an hour before you go to bed, hydrate your connective tissue because connective tissue is where your healing cells are. Right. And so if you stimulate this tissue just before bed, when you're sleeping, that's where cellular repair is dominant. So you're actually boosting the body's natural repair processes just before you go to bed, which is actually going to help to facilitate that while you sleep. So the beauty of fascia is because it's a three-dimensional matrix, if you learn how to systematically kind of like you're working fluid into a sponge, if you think of fascia, especially the superficial fascia, the stuff right under your skin that nobody wants to talk about. And in fact, in fitness, we want to whittle away. We want to suck it out. We want to freeze it out. Like we hate that area of our body. Oh my God, it's cellulite. Oh my God, my life is over. I have wrinkles. What am I going to do? You know? So the idea is to love this tissue because there's so many sensory receptors in it to supple it up. You work fluid into a sponge and then you kind of squeeze it out and you wait for a moment. And then when you let it go, much like a sponge, you get this fill effect. And if you learn how to treat the body in a really specific way, you can make a global fluid exchange in 10 minutes, just working in regions of the body because the fluid is like a river. So if you, you know, you don't need to like roll on every square inch of your body to make a change, but touch in general is really an effective way to alter the brain's pathways that we miss. It's just like, you know, I mean, if you're feeling bad, right, your emotional posturing is there and like you, you walk into a room and you're all pissed off and, you know, one of your friends comes in and says, you know, hey, what's going on, Emily? And you're like, man, I don't know. You're right. And they're like, come on, hug it up. What's the matter? And the second they put their arms out to hug you, what happens? And you start crying. You were just mad a second ago and it changes in the emotions because what they did was just by opening their arms and giving you that hug and creating touch, it altered those pathways of I'm angry to suddenly I'm emotionally broken. And so you hug and and it fills you. So I think that those are the that's the beautiful thing about the human body is that it, it's designed to change. It's designed to experience. And if we open up a door to gentle experiential change, I think it's really profound. I mean, I think people are really surprised. You melt for 10 minutes and it's like, wow, I don't know. I actually do think I feel better. Why is that happening? So because you're sending new messages to your brain and your brain's decoding that as, ah, that's loving. That's nice. What's a, my gosh, you know, you're taking care of me. And that can really ease and quell stress response in the brain and it can alter your perception of pain. Yeah. 100% of the time, the brain's what's producing your sense of pain, right? Yeah. So it's really just, you know, if you think that you actually have three minds and the mind is unreliable, it really is. It's the most unreliable, you know, messed up system, right? Because I've got the thought of what's going on in my head and what I'm thinking about. I've got the feelings that I have. What am I feeling inside my body? And also what am I feeling in the world outside, what's coming into me. So sometimes we're very confused as to really what the problem is. And then again, we get very, it's very elusive what the solution might be, but fascia can really change so much about our cellular 
adaptation, our aging process, longevity, our mental well-being, touch is utterly important for interoception, for sensing oneself through touch. Yeah. And I think it's such a powerful message because I think a lot of people associate if there's an area of chronic pain in their body, that it is that area, that it's not, they don't even think, oh, this is like a message and a pathway and, you know, motor control and change happens from the brain and pain comes from, yeah. Well, I mean, pain is just your brain's way of alerting you that something's not right. And so pain is just the great motivator to take action. And if you have, like, let's say you have knee pain, the problem is, is we don't realize that our daily living and the repetitive postures and habits that we're creating might actually be altering the whole fascial continuum. So I'll give you an example, like, you know, somebody uses a mouse all day, you know, they're sitting at their desk and so they're slightly tipped to the right and their right arm is kind of out in front of them all the time. And so what they're doing is accumulating stress in the fascial plane in the arm of the right side. Now, you might not have right shoulder pain, but when you go to walk, your right arm might not swing so much, which is going to alter your left gait pattern, which might actually cause left knee pain. And so you go to a doctor, you go to a PT, and they're like, oh, my knee, my knee, my knee. And that's it. It's like, that's the victim. And so I always say, like, if a kid was crying out for your help, help me, help me. You wouldn't sit there and punch him in the face. You'd go find the problem. Like, you know, you go look around, you'd be like, what what happened? Why is this kid screaming? You know, you you take information in. But again, that's it, is we, we beat up the victim. We, we feel our knee is hurting us. So we get a lacrosse ball or we get a hard roller and we just iron ourselves like a shirt. And when we find something that's painful, we land on it. We go, aha, there it is. There's the problem. But I'm saying, no, that's just more information for you to take in that your body is telling you there's some restrictions here. But if you don't go looking around the other areas of your body or consider what's going on in your day and taking that information in, that's why, you know, going to see a PT or a therapist is sometimes a really great thing because there may be seeing things that you're not quite seeing in yourself that may actually be contributing to your problem. What I like about MELT is the four R's of MELT, reconnect, rebalance, rehydrate, release. And reconnect techniques are ways to educate the general public to go into their bodies, sense what they feel, and to identify what I call common imbalances. Because daily living causes common imbalances in all human beings. You know, we were not designed to sit in a cubicle looking at a screen for 10 hours a day. We were designed to move. You know, we're not that far off from our ancestors who were like, you know, out in battle on a field and, you know, cooking in buckets, like on the ground squatting, right? You know, they, they so it's really amazing how much our environment has changed in such a short period of time. And I don't think our bodies are quite catching up. I mean, look at the increase in cancers and all of these autoimmune issues and everything else. I mean, it's pretty outrageous. Some of the disorders and diseases that have just massively and exponentially grown in the industries of the, you know, in the medical world. And like, is anybody just kind of going, hmm, what can might be causing that? Oh, well, maybe it's this insane environment of electronics and all the EMF waves. And, you know, it's altering our frequencies. And, you know, I mean, if you've ever even had like an intuitive feeling, you know, where you're like really feeling, you know, you know, I've got to do this thing right now or whatever. That's your fascia. Some, you know, I mean, it's a frequency that comes through you. And when you have a gut instinct or you're really feeling, this is your, your time to sit down, pay attention, listen to your body and... I don't know, take action. That's what your body wants. It wants you to take action when it's telling you these things. And there's such a, especially when we're in such like, if we're sitting in the cubicle all day, there's such a disconnect. Sometimes I feel like, you know, a lot of the people I see, it's there's like this numb, 
like they're just so disconnected from you know because they're such in the thinking mind and analytical all day and they're like I don't I, I didn't know my arm was even swinging funky like that exactly yeah I mean literally people come to see me and they're like shoulders up in their ear and they're like I don't know why my neck is killing me I'm like my neck is killing me looking at you what I are know. we talking about you know? exactly <laughs> So for someone, for the listeners who has, has not experienced melt yet, can you give us kind of like a picture of what it's like of a first visit or a first session with a melt instructor? Melt instructors also do visual inventory of a client, right? But, but just because you see something doesn't mean that you're actually seeing the actual cause of trauma. You're just seeing sometimes the body's compensatory processes to manage the stability. So what we often do is have people lie on their back with their palms faced up, arms and legs extended, and we talk them through a basic, what we call a body scan. And to identify the common imbalances that exist in our just general alignment that can then draw your mind's attention to what's going on inside the body, right? It's just to go in and and sense what we call the masses and spaces. So if anybody listening, if you lie on your back and you notice that there's naturally areas of your body touching the ground, we call those masses like your head, your ribs, your pelvis. And then there's also spaces like your neck, your low back, behind your knees, And if you lie on your back, you might notice, I'll give you four common imbalances, is that when you lie down on your back, in your torso, all of your back weight will feel way up near the shoulder blades, way up in the upper one-third part of your back. But where the most dense weight of the torso ideally is, is below the shoulder blades, where women define the bra line, the mid-rib wall. You might notice that the arch of the back, instead of being a small distinctive space, if you put your finger in your belly button, ideally the arch of your back is most lifted below the belly button. You might notice that you got this huge arch in your back, starts at your tail, ends at your shoulder blades. You might notice that in your pelvis, you're lying on your tailbone rather than your butt cheeks, and the mass of the back of the thighs will feel off the ground. Those are really common imbalances to feel, and those are the four that, if left unaddressed from day to day, are the ones that really accumulate stress along the spine and can then alter the way that the body's information is being sent back to the brain and also then alter what we call sensory motor control brain to body communication, right? So we start there and in taking that inventory in, we use these soft balls and soft rollers to basically cause either gentle compression or to create tension to the system in a very global way. And we do like three compression techniques called gliding, shearing, and rinsing. Gliding prepares. Uh, Shearing is more familiar with those people who do self-myofascial release going against the grain of of a long, you know, lever like your leg. You know, you'd be kind of almost almost twisting the flesh and then rinsing globally, just like if you put your hand in a tub of water, if you start moving fluid in one direction and you create a charge in it, it's called a piezoelectric charge. You start creating a charge in the fluid flow in a direction. You take your hand out of a tub of water, what happens to the fluid? keeps moving in that direction because on a molecular level, once you stimulate and create electrical charge, collagen is kind of like a superconductor. So it just wakes the tissue up and kind of like, uh, you know, touching a spider's web on one tiny area, it makes a vibration through the whole web. That's very similar to what happens with tissue. So you can make these real global exchanges. So we do a technique called the rebalance sequence. You may be lying on the roller on your spine, doing some breathing, focusing on diaphragmatic motion. We might be, again, causing tension through long 
bone fascial planes with these lengthening techniques or compression techniques. And then we also have what we call the hand and foot treatment, which I have to tell you, people need to realize that you've got a ton of free nerve endings living in your hands and feet because that's where the majority of your joints are in your body. You've got these 33 joints in your hands and feet. And if you stimulate your hands and feet, actually, that's the easiest way to alter the brain-to-body communication, your, your footing when you stand. That's, you know, you need good grounding, good ground reaction force to be able to manage the masses, the head, the ribs, and the pelvis over that tiny base of support being your feet. So you treat your hands and feet, actually that can almost instantaneously alter neck and low back tension because it, it, it helps the brain communicate all the way to the periphery. So those treatments, we recommend people do like the hand treatment while they're at work. I brush my teeth and melt my feet in the morning. You know, it's just, you get into the habit of self-care and that's it is that, you know, self-care is a discipline it's a practice. And so you have to practice. And I get people when they're in pain, they're like, well, how long is it going to take me to get out of pain? I'm like, I don't freaking know. I mean, it's just to be your body is your body. But if you add self-care to your day, once you create a discipline of it, you can do it less and less. When you first learn melt, you know, there's a learning curve. You might have to melt for 20 minutes or half hour to really kind of learn the sequences because each sequence takes about 10 minutes. So you might, you know, have to practice those sequences for a time. But once you know how to do like the upper body rehydrate sequence, it'll take you five minutes to do. So it doesn't take long. It just takes skill. It takes discipline and it takes practice and it takes skill. And once you know how to manipulate the tissue... Honestly, like, I mean, I'm almost 50 now and I, I feel like, you know, how did that happen? But in my 20s, I was in so much pain and I thought it was normal. And now I'm in my almost 50 and I feel like, I, you know, I just, I can't manage any type of pain. I hate it, you know? So as soon as my body says, hey, pay attention to me, I get right on. I apologize. My, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. I'm sorry I've been gone so long. But now that I'm back, I promise I'll stay here. I'm back. But now I just make it a daily self-care regimen. And most of the people that I work with will say the same thing as I might do melt for 45 minutes twice a week, just because I love it. I watch one of the videos on melt on demand and I do those. But when I'm watching TV, sometimes I just, I don't sit on the couch anymore. I get on the floor and I melt myself and I'm like, way to go. You know, they, isn't that massive, right? Yeah. You know, it's like, wow, are you really instilling a self-care discipline? It's yeah. beautiful. I love that you speak to this idea of like slowing down the aging process through this self-care yeah, because connective tissue is the tissue that keeps us looking and feeling good. Connective tissue is the supportive infrastructure under our skin. And we all know how important collagen is, right? I mean, we're injecting it into our bodies, you know, our, our skin is sagging, our skin is wrinkling. Oh my gosh, this aging thing sucks, you know? But this is a process of living, right? I mean, people don't want to talk about death, right? But part of life. I mean, we're so gifted. We're so lucky that we get to be in this form for better or for worse. And I just believe it all happens for a reason and we're all here to connect. And, and, and it is, it's an incredible system that you can preserve yourself. If you stimulate the collagen and the fluids, the interstitial fluids, those are what bind to cell receptors. That's what helps cell to cell communication. It helps cell proliferation and it keeps you feeling good. And when your joints feel good and your brain has good communication, that's, you feel youthful, you feel active, you want to get out there. Your mind is more clear. That's the other thing that I don't think people realize is, you know, stress can really tweak the brain. I mean, it can really make, like really your emotional field can get messed up. But when you go into your body and you care for yourself in this way, 
I really think it does change the way we think about ourselves because what we're doing is actively participating in our longevity process, in preserving our, our, our wellness and our health. And I think that's a huge piece that people need to, to, to care for because diet and exercise are like super essential, but I mean, look, lots of people eat right and exercise and they still have chronic pain. So fascia is not necessarily a system that's going to just rebalance just because you eat right and exercise. Actually, it's a dirty little secret of fitness. Half the people who exercise actually have more joint pain than the people who sit on their ass and don't exercise at all. That's so so true. That's so true. Isn't that the worst? (laughs) Can you give us an example of a transformation you've seen? Of someone, I mean, I'm sure you have so many, so many, so many, but if you were to share one that, you know, I think of, of one of the guys that I, I worked with who had severe, severe low back pain and couldn't understand why kind of overweight. He, you know, his knees bothered him, his back hurt him and he, he was a grandpa and he really couldn't get down on the ground with his grandkids anymore. And he actually, in working with him, like these things didn't even come up as part of the conversation, right? It was just, I, you know, I'm, I got this, you know, high tech job and I'm, you know, working it, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a busy guy, you know, fortune 500 dude, back pain, back pain, back pain and working on him and, and then kind of saying to him, what brings you joy in your life? Like, what is it that's holding you back? Right. Cause it's in his back. What's holding you back? And getting into this conversation and unravels this story of his frustration over the fact that he's he's feeling his age, right? He's feeling his change and he didn't like it. He couldn't get out on the ground with his grandkids. So he actually stopped going over to see them. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh my goodness. So, so there was this big shift and I said, well, well, this is what we need to focus on. Not your work, not all these other things, you know, but, but to get you back with the kids because this is, they need you. And that energy is actually what's causing you the problem and working on him and giving him these simple techniques to do daily in a week, he calls me and he's like, I think my back already feels better. I said, come back in, let's check you. And just the tissue adaptability. And I said, what's the biggest change that you have? He said, you know, I'm sleeping more soundly. I actually think I'm dreaming. And I don't remember the last time I had such vivid dreams. And I said, well, there you go, right? Because healing is, healing begins in sleep. REM phase is absolutely essential. Deep sleep, very, very, very essential. So I think, you know, watching people get their families back, reconnecting with his son, creating more connection with the grandkids. I mean, that fills joy and happiness in the body and that will change the mind. And so did Melt really help him or was Melt just the vehicle to get him back into his body and his body did the work. And so I think that those kind of transformative stories, you know, people getting their lives back, chronic fatigue, people with fibromyalgia, not leaving the house, and then suddenly finding these tools and, and doing it and saying, you gave me my life back. I'm more myself than I've been in a decade. And those things are just, you know, you hear one of those and it's like, it doesn't matter what kind of a bad day I have or what kind of trauma I have. What can I do to continue to help others lead a more active, healthy, pain-free life? Because trauma is going to happen. Yeah. You know, we talked about this even in my own personal thing that's going on for me right now, you know, trauma happens. It's unavoidable. It's how we manage it. That's, that's most important that we stay connected with people. And you realize that you're not alone ever in your pain problems, in your emotional trauma. You're really never alone. You think that your problems are so unique. If you started talking to people, you'd realize, my gosh, 
I, I'm so not alone. Now I can't get myself alone, right? I mean, I'm, I'm realizing everybody's got trauma. Everybody has emotional stress. But if we work together to find solutions, I think that universal energy shift is what the world needs right now. I love that through the physical work, right? Because I think the first thought for people when they're in pain is, I got to get out of pain. But that the bigger, kind of the bigger picture of it is that reconnection, and especially, you know, in New York and just in the world, sometimes it can feel so small, but it's like, if you can create this kind of ripple effect, ripple effect of like, okay, you helped him connect with his son. He plays with his grandchildren. He's more present then you know, they are maybe more present with someone else. And yeah, that's it. I think we're so into the physicality of things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That we, we have a hard time realizing that there is a subtle body that needs us, that we all have, whatever you want to call it, our inner awareness, our inner child, our, the sense of oneself. And sometimes we actually don't like ourselves. I know that sounds crazy, but I mean, truly we, we go into our bodies. We actually, that's actually a scary thing is to sense what we feel because sometimes we don't like ourselves and we have this negative voice in us and, and, and that can cause problems. You know, we don't even, I don't even think we realize how much sometimes we're reacting to what's going on right now because of something that happened to us when we were kids. You know, I walk into my boss's office with my fist clenched saying, I need a raise. You know, I need to make more money. You need to give this to me. And the, you know, boss is like, what, why are you coming in with like, you look like you're going to beat me up. And then you have to stop and say, why is it that I'm reacting this way? Oh, you know what? Because when I was a kid, my dad was a mean dude. And anytime I go downstairs and say, hey, dad, you know, can I X, Y, and Z? No, was always the answer. And we don't even associate those parts of our psychology, but that's actually in our cells. So it's important that we understand interoception, proprioception, body sense awareness, that sometimes we're reacting to something right now, but actually we're not. We're reacting to something of our past and we're putting it to the present. So I think one of the most important things really is to focus on what's happening right now. What's your problem right now? Not what was your problem last month, last year, two decades ago, but just start right now and start to peel those layers of the onion back. And suddenly you're realizing how not present you really are. And that's the first step of transformation is that you bring yourself back to this exact moment and you stay right here and you don't worry about what's going to happen in an hour from now and you don't worry about what happened to you two hours ago that's it that's what your cells are gagging for is for you to get into yourself right this second and pay attention to everything that's going on don't wander your mind somewhere else stay right here and that's where therapy and body work and and again melt and and going inward can really be so transformative which is a really hard process, can be like physically, mentally difficult, emotional, like kind of dirty. Like, yes. Yeah. But I think when it's people. possible. Yeah. I think when people sometimes think about that process, they're like, okay, I'm just going to sit with myself and it's going to be this like maybe a beautiful image of like me on a mountain, right? But it's actually like going through the. The, the junk. <laughs> it is. It yeah. is. We have to get down and dirty and feel those emotional shifts in our body because if you don't shift from feeling 
sorrow, feeling happiness, feeling anger, frustration, which is just anger in a tuxedo, but we'll call it its own thing. (laughs) Again, you can't have oneness and you can't have connection unless you experience separation and you experience loss. And we all experience it. And we just don't like to talk about it. And some people talk about their problems like they're friends, you know, oh my God, my back pain. Let me tell you about this thing. So start, you know, like an on goes the story, but that's it is that that's you dismissing, you know, again, oh, let me, let me imagine myself on a mountain. And the second that you imagine yourself on a mountain, four seconds later, you're thinking about that email that you have to send to so-and-so by two o'clock, right? So it's hard for us to go inward in a sense, because we're not taught that. We're not taught how to care for ourselves. We just figure it out. Like nobody taught you how to crawl, walk, run, or get out of the way of things, or pull your hand away from a hot stove. These are innate within us. It's the beauty of our self. And Life is not easy. It's a journey, you know, but it's important that we talk about it and that we realize that, again, we're not alone in anything that we're experiencing. And to just, again, stay right now and lie down on your back and notice what you feel and really feel it and be okay with what you feel. And sometimes what you feel is, you know, unhappiness or frustration. And when you feel those things, just say that, my gosh, why am I feeling? Like, do we ask why, right? So so this type of work, you know, melt is very deceiving. People see the foam roller and they're like, oh, it's a foam rolling technique. And like, there's a whole lot more to melt than that. I mean, it's really, it's a philosophy even of going into oneself to, to transform. It's an invitation to transformation, I think. You touched on this and... I'm curious, how has your, having dealt with loss recently, how has it changed anything or is there unpeeling of layers? Yeah. So for you guys listening, my, my husband died a month ago and it really a shock, you know, I mean, 54 years old, beautiful guy with just, you know, trauma in his own right. And watching that, I think what it did was it really brought me back to a point of real spirituality in going back into the arsenal of education that I've had from, you know, the last 20 years of being in this industry and realizing that like all of the grief that I've helped other people with all the trauma and this and that, that the last time I had something like this happen was in the late nineties when I was in chronic pain, there's the link for me is going, oh my gosh, let me not go down this road again. Because when my dad died in the late nineties, it was six months before he died or a year before he died, almost a year to the day, my foot started to hurt me. And what I think is on an energetic level, I was like a, you know, a flower being uprooted energetically because my father was departing. And That is a very similar thing that I think happens to a lot of people is that your world's energy just suddenly shakes you. So what Chris's death did for me was it made me go back to, you know, listening to Colin Tipping and Radical Forgiveness and Jack Cornfield and spirituality and and listening to these people, Brene Brown and, right, you know, so you suddenly realize that actually what I'm feeling and, you know, these are common feelings, grief, loss, separation. But in understanding that separation, what's been incredible for me, because I I actually can't stand social media. It drives me nuts, like having to post crap all the time. And when this happened on my personal page, I I put something on. I said, you know, it's with a heavy heart that I'm, I'm putting this out here, but this is such 
you guys know me and you guys know that and hundreds and hundreds of people, not just, you know, putting a heart there or something or a sad face, but actually writing thoughtful messages back to me. And there it was, is connection. So in this great grief and this great loss, you realize how inherently connected the web is and how the internet has allowed more of us to universally connect. And if we use it that way, I think it creates great transformation and great healing. So, you know, grief can freeze you. Some people, like they lose somebody and they just can't get out of bed. And then we think something's wrong with them. When we can't move, when we get frozen, where something's broken, I'm broken. But, you know, again, you're not alone. And if you, if you just allow the feeling to move through you and not stop in you, it will enlighten you. I think that's it. It's like, you know, I believe that all souls, we hook up with just a particular amount of souls. We've agreed ahead of time, right, to get together and to work out our human experience together so that we can have spiritual enlightenment. And so I think that this experience for me did just that. It made me realize just how, and, you know, it, it doesn't seem like there's a reason for it, right? But there's some great spiritual part of this that's happened that, I think is now filtering back into the way that I do the teacher trainings. I mean, literally like 10 days after he died, I had to teach a a teacher training. I mean, can you imagine like standing in front of 40 people and keeping your shit together and just being like, so I'm going to acknowledge this. And I said to them, I told them what happened. And I said to them, don't feel sorry for me. Don't give me the energy of sorrow. What I need right now is your love. And my husband's spirit needs to elevate and rise from this astral level that he's sitting in and go to heaven. And the only thing that brings our spirits higher is love. So just bring me all of, shower me with all of your care and all of your loving and hold the space for me to create a beautiful experience so that we can all really create a healing here together. And it was maybe one of the best teacher trainings that I've ever done because I spoke from that level of love and care and not grief, sorrow, or, you know, disconnect. I'm going to share a story with you. I was working with an 80-year-old woman who her husband died unexpectedly like 30 years earlier from a heart attack. And from the moment, like from the week he died, she couldn't feel her feet. Kind of something similar you're speaking to. And I was like the the 10th yoga instructor she had kind of gone through. And I gave her the melt, like I had bought her like the melt, little, the little package, the balls. The kit, yeah. yeah. And um, she started doing some of the foot melt exercises. And, you know, she always felt like my feet, my feet, my feet. But, you know, I always felt like it was like this kind of like the roots coming out that like ungrounding of like her <laughs> beloved yeah, husband. And, um, through working with her feet, you know, the numbness started to dissipate. There was an emotional component, like there was like tears and I'm sure an unpacking of that, but it was like, I was like, wow, this is powerful stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, that's it is, I don't think we realize how much the earth and earthing, you know, grounding ourselves is so important. And a lot of times people are just walking around completely unconscious and completely out of their bodies and they just don't know it because again, we're, we don't, we're not really taught spirituality either. We're not really taught it. And until you have a traumatic happening, you may never understand what happened. And we're so in this human condition, you know, so taught to shut up, not mention, deny, lie, uh, move on already. Move on. Right. That's what people said. My, my mom said to me, you know, I don't think you should do this memorial for Chris. Just move on with your life. And maybe you should tell people he had a heart attack. And I was like, 
why would I make up a story about this incredible human being who completely changed the course of my life, who I fell deeply and madly in love with, who I loved so, so deeply, it's hard to even express what kind of connection I had with him. Why would I now turn around and think that I could move on without this energy in my life? I mean, if anything, that's it, is I'm going to move forward with him always in me. He's always a part of my life. He'll always be a part of my life. He'll always be a part of my journey and my story because he was an integral part of me learning how to love deeply, trust, and be vulnerable with another person. And vulnerability, you know, Brene Brown would say, you know, like we, we think about vulnerability and we think, oh, you're weak. But watch somebody stand up and share what happens when addiction is part of your world and it's punching you in the face and you don't even see it happening and it's just annihilating you until someone's gone. And then having to stand there and say, what happened? And then you want to be angry, right? That I was so vulnerable with this person and then this happened and now you're angry. But actually sharing vulnerability is one of the most courageous steps of healing that we need to walk through. We don't move on from it. We walk through it we, and we walk through it together. And in doing that, I think it really does create a higher power. We're just, I think, really shocked sometimes if we do go into our body, I think people are scared about what they're going to feel. I mean, when it first happened, when, when Chris first died, the first milk class I had to do, you know, I was going to do the foot treatment with everybody. I thought, this will be great. I'll go ahead and ground myself. So we put our feet side by side. I said, look down at your feet, put your feet side by side, put your arms at your side. Let's close our eyes and sense what we feel. And the second that I said those words and I closed my eyes and I went into my body, I had to pop my eyes open. I couldn't, I couldn't because I felt so broken and I had to teach a class. So if I had kept my eyes closed, I'd have just lost my, you know, I just lost myself. I just start crying and people would be like, what's happening to Sue? So that, in that, but that's so profound. Feeling that in that moment really made me realize every day I need to find that hour and sit down with myself and feel what I'm feeling and, and recognize that it's okay that I feel sorrow and grief and shame and guilt and all these things because that's part of the human experience. And sometimes that's what, the universe needs of us. It needs to shake us a little bit so that we feel, you know, and that we get into our bodies. So treating our feet is so important. Getting, if you're living in the urban jungle like we do in New York City, you know, you're living in a big city, find some grass, take your shoes off, walk in the grass, look out at the horizon. Don't look at, you know, look, look in distance, breathe and see things. I, you know, I keep thinking I've got to live near the ocean because you know what Me I mean? <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, when, when he passed away, I was, I was out in California and got to do walk meditations and seated meditations in, next to the ocean and walk into the ocean and, and feel the pull of the undertow. And all these things were so energetically powerful for me. I think it's what's helping me to not, not be a complete basket case in a, in a moment where I lost the love of my life and I only had him for seven years, you know, so a short period of time, you know, imagine somebody in their eighties who was married for 30, 40, my, a friend of mine, I just spoke with who lost his beautiful wife after being married for 35 years. She, she had a blood clot in her calf and a day later it went to her heart and she died. Right. I mean, why? And you can't see the perfection in, in any of it, right? That these things are all happening for a reason, and that there's perfection in all of it. But this is what trauma is about. This is what healing is about, is about really feeling what's going on inside your body and then acceptance and connection. Because you can't 
heal without acceptance and connection. We're talking about melting in a foam roller and, and uh, you know, and balls. Like, what the hell is that going to do for me? But it really is this this gentle touch, and and that's why you know, touch in in general is important. Does everybody get a hug every day? Are you telling people how much you love them every day? Are you thanking people every day? Are you being thanked? And a lot of people, especially through aging, don't get touch, don't hug, don't love, and changes us. It changes the energy around us. So we need to connect everyone. You know, if you're sitting out there, you're listening to this and you feel like you're not, you're not with people, I would just say you're not alone. And, and, you know, this is why you're listening to this right now is to hear these exact words right now. So I'm talking to you right now, whoever is is that's (laughs) listening to this, I'm talking right at you for sure. Thank you so much for sharing your personal, um, what's going on. Where can people find you and where can people find the Melt Method? Well, I have a website called meltmethod.com, M-E-L-T method. I write many blogs. Uh, We have Melt On Demand, which is a streaming video platform. And every week I put out a new experience, a new Melt experience. I'm on Facebook under Melt Method and Sue Hitzman. And I do teacher trainings. We have thousands of instructors worldwide. If you go to Melt Method and just click on Find Melt, you'll find practitioners all over the place who do Skype calls, who do live events and live classes. So you can both learn how to melt at home on your own. And you can also come to a, a, a live experiential class, which, you know, again, there it is. You're, you're not alone and you're actually experiencing the frequency with people in a room, which is really powerful. And, um, you know, just come and give it a try. You, people, I always say you melt once you want to melt every day. It'll make you feel better. Love it. Yeah. Sue, thank you so much. Thank you. That's a wrap. I have two truths that I fully believe in. First, to be 1% better every single day. And second, all feedback is good feedback because it helps us grow. Why do I say this? If you're enjoying these conversations and you find this is adding value, send us some love by subscribing to Muscle Medicine Podcast on iTunes. And if you want to share your voice with the world and scream it from the rooftops and tell your friends, Or you can just give us a little feedback so we can grow by rating and reviewing Muscle Medicine on iTunes. Thank you guys. So much gratitude. Dr. Emily Kybert here.